Welcome to this week's Decarb Connect podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be taking a look at how data can be collated and shared in order to help industrial groups accelerate decarbonisation. And specifically, we're taking a look at the Midden project, which builds data across Dutch industry, looking at energy, material flows, emissions, and then seeks to share that kind of resulting data and decarbonisation options back with industry in the country. Um, I'm very lucky to have two of the main project leads to talk with us today about what they're learning. So we'll be hearing from Silvana Gamboa from TNO and also from Dick Van Dam from PBL. Thank you, Alex. Um, first of all, thank you for having us here. Um, I am Silvana Gamboa and I am the project manager for the meeting project at TNO. TNO is the Dutch Organization for Applied Scientific Research and uh, we carry out independent research focusing on diverse social themes, such as the energy transition. I worked at TNO for about three years after working in the industry sector. My background is on energy and environmental sciences. I'm an industrial engineer. My projects at TNO focus on topics such as scenarios for a CO2 neutral energy system and decarbonization in industry in the Netherlands, but also internationally. So my name is Dick van Dam. Uh, I'm a researcher at uh, PBL, which is the Dutch Environmental Assessment Agency. And I will say a little bit more about PBL later on. Myself, I'm a physics PhD. Uh, and after working a couple of years in uh, intellectual property uh, business, I, uh, uh, I decided to, uh, to work on the energy transition more. So, um, well, since then, I, I, I joined PBL a couple of years ago. And I, uh, I'm now specializing in industry decarbonization and energy policy. So PBL is part of the national government in the Netherlands, but it's, it's independent and it, it aims to give strategic and independent advice and assessments of uh, mainly uh, national uh, policies. And then I'm working mainly on, on the climate and energy uh, field. So to give you a bit, bit of an, uh, um, an idea of how the Midden project uh, was found, I think it's important to mention that the Dutch climate policy is shaped around the, the national climate agreement, which was uh, adopted in uh, in 2019, which includes also a target for uh, a climate neutral uh, energy uh, industry sector around 2050, or at least almost climate neutral. So of course, it also encompasses uh, a detailed uh, uh, policy package for Dutch industry. And uh, we as PBL, we well, in order to, to assess these policies also uh, together with TNO, we needed an independent uh, public knowledge database on a company level in order to know basically the current configuration and production processes at these companies, but also the decarbonization options for the various uh, industry sites. So a couple of years ago, we conducted a consultation round. Uh, so both PBL and TNO together uh, amongst uh, representatives of industry, government, uh, also other uh, organizations. And that's when, uh, when the Midden uh, project was born, actually. So Midden stands for uh, Manufacturing Industry Decarbonization Data Exchange Network. So that's the, the abbreviation. At that time, it was decided to, with, with this project, investigate companies uh, with help of master student interns. And uh, um, uh, importantly, also in collaboration with the industry. So. Uh, Experts uh, with, together with uh, the uh, interns wrote reports and prepared data sets for each industry sector. So from steel 
to ceramics, from breweries to biofuels, uh, each industry sector was, uh, was, uh, was treated. And uh, both report and data sets were published on our, uh, our webpage, uh, middenweb.nl. Building a data set can rapidly become just busy work, can't it? So what, what was it about the idea of collaborating around this that was getting industry as well as government and others excited? What was the kind of the core, the core idea that everyone was uh, coalescing around? Well, I think um, generally everybody in the field benefits from good quality data, which is, which is recognized and shared amongst everybody. Because if you use bad data for your research, either uh, research uh, from the universities or whatsoever, but also uh, consultancies, but also analyses from government or analyses from companies themselves, if you base it on uh, outdated or wrong or uh, well, too coarse data, you will not get the good results and you will draw uh, you may draw uh, uh, the, the wrong conclusions i think there was a was a wide agreement that having a public database on uh, industry data and decomposition options would benefit everybody in the field just give us a little bit of a sense of the scope of midden what's the kind of scope and the kind of boundaries of what you're looking at as part of that project yes yeah, so in terms of the scope the Midden database covers the carbonization options of the Dutch industry under the EU emission trading system and assesses the conditions under which investments in these decarbonization options will take place. So we limit the scope to Dutch ETS companies that are part of the manufacturing industry. So we exclude power plants, hospitals, universities, government. And overall, Midden gives an overview of the industry production sites, including existing facilities and processes, inputs and outputs and decarbonization options until 2050 on the basis of public literature but also um, information for industry itself and the decarbonization options under the median framework fall into uh, the, the categories of fuel and feedstock substitution for instance um, such as blue and green hydrogen or power to heat or another category is so process and product design considering energy efficiency or alternative processes or products. Then uh, the medium framework also looks into recycling, the use of waste energy and uh, carbon capture and storage or utilization. So for all these options, Midian looks into the consequences of their implementation in the specific site. Am I right? It was launched sort of 2018, 2019 around then. How is the data maturing? Yes, yeah, so, um, so far we have covered over 95% of GHG emissions in the Dutch ETS industry. This is almost 40 reports of industry sectors or companies, such as uh, what uh, Dick was mentioning, to sectors uh, from basic chemicals, plastics, or building materials to um, food and beverage, paper and board, amongst other sectors. And the audience can find these reports in the Midden site, and that is middenweb.nl. We'll add that to the show notes as well. So if anyone's listening to this mm -hmm. that would like to look at that in more depth, just have a look at the show notes either on our website or on iTunes or Spotify and you'll find the link there. So that's how that's how the data set is developed. And key trends then, what sorts of things are you seeing emerging as, as kind of more and more of this data is built? What, what, what are some of the common themes or common uh, data points that are kind of proving most interesting for you? So we see that the choice for companies mainly comes down to three main streams, um, electrification, CCS, and the use 
of renewable sources, such as biofuels or low carbon hydrogen. But we haven't let, yet looked into the specific sectoral or regional trends, because uh, so far we have been gathering data for sectors or companies independently. And this could be a next step for Midem. I think generally you can say that, well, almost every company is in a different position. So looking at it on the company level rather than, than on, on, the, on the sector level. Eh? So if you look at uh, all steel plants, for instance, I mean, every steel plant is different. And that's the same for, for the chemical sector. So looking at it at a specific company gives additional information, eh? for instance, regarding infrastructure or regarding value chain. So the precise value chain where you're positioned. And I think that's a, that's an important uh, added benefit. Eh? So you asked like, well, key trends. I mean, <laughs> for each company, you kind of you could could say that you have different uh, peculiarities. So it's very interesting, I think, to look at these reports and look at the data because you will always find something interesting in each company. When when people go to look at this data and read through the reports, it's kind of useful to understand, I think, the balance between both cluster opportunities, of which obviously there are several around the Dutch uh, coast but also where there's more standalone activity going on. So can you kind of paint a picture uh, for those that don't know of, of what the Dutch industrial landscape really, really looks like at the moment? Yeah, so uh, you could say that the Dutch industry is centered around five important uh, clusters, centered around heavy industry. So in some cases, large refineries, uh, in some case, uh, cases, uh, uh, large chemical uh, multinational companies. In one case, also the center around the steel, uh, steel manufacturing plant. So you could say that you have these five clusters uh, well connected among, among them themselves and also uh, uh, to some extent to other clusters, uh, also in, in Belgium and in Germany, for instance. But apart from that, there's also large industry dispersed throughout the country. Uh, and then we're mainly talking about uh, food industry, paper uh, manufacturing, paper pulp uh, industry, uh, ceramics, uh, and also uh, also uh, uh, chemical companies. So you could you could you could well look at it from that you have these two type of companies generally. So of course industrial sites located uh, in one of these uh, large clusters they benefit from their shared skill. They are often exchanging feedstocks, uh, intermediate products, but also they often share utilities. Uh, and pipelines uh, for petrochemicals, uh, steam, hydrogen. And of course, that's beneficial, not only uh, in their usual operations, but also for the energy transition. Eh? Establishing new infrastructure is generally more cost-effective uh, because you can have more users, but it also it can also complicate decarbonization. Eh? Once a single company transforms or wants to transform, also the surrounding companies have to adapt. So it's it's a it's a challenge. It's a it's a it's a coordination uh, coordination effort amongst these companies, and and you you can see in the Netherlands that there's uh, there's lots of progress. There's lots of collaboration and and lots of good, well good ideas towards um, transforming the industry system, but it remains a challenge. So at the same time, well, in contrast, you could say that the the, the perspectives for industrial sites located outside these main clusters uh, is different. Eh? access to infrastructure is, is harder and establishing new infrastructure like um, heavier electrical grid or uh, hydrogen uh, network uh, is, is much more expensive and much more uncertain therefore you could say that for all these different uh, different uh, sites I think it's important to have this general uh, publicly recognized data set 
with the options for decarbonization. So the current situation and the options, because then you can have the overview of and, and the, the, the perspectives for each individual company. I wondered if, are you seeing any kind of interesting models of collaboration forming away from the clusters? Like are there opportunities that those kind of more standalone sites are starting to take advantage of or, or bluntly, is it still the same kind of challenge uh, that we're seeing in the UK? Yeah, so it's funny because in the Netherlands, we have these five clusters that I mentioned and then the, uh, some other sectors, uh, mainly the, those outside the clusters have formed a sixth uh, cluster, which is not an actual physical cluster, but they uh, present themselves as a cluster because they see that to, well, each in their own way, all these companies face similar challenges. And uh, in that way, they, they want to uh, also uh, benefit from, uh, from the options that the clusters have, but it's a challenge. And, and personally, I think that the pathways for decarbonization of these companies uh, should be more clear. Yeah? So, so they have various options, but I think it's important that both uh, government and companies together work towards finding a, a pathway uh, towards decarbonization, because that allows also uh, for um, developing the, the required infrastructure. Um, but I think the reality is that these companies don't have all the choices uh, that, uh, that, that companies in, within clusters, uh, clusters have. But as long as government recognizes that, and also provides the support for these companies, then I think it shouldn't be, shouldn't be a benefit. But I think communication and coordination is, is very important here. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, we, we try to, to, to contribute to that with, uh, with our, uh, our data sets. Whether they're clusters, whether they're single sites, you know, the main kind of challenges for the next phase of transition, what, what are you kind of seeing as the next kind of wave of questions that these companies are, are dealing with at the moment? In the end, for, for most of these companies, it comes down to, to, to costs. Uh, but it's also a, a coordination problems problem of infrastructure, which requires a long time uh, before it will be up and running. So, so that's, I, I think, the, the, the two most important uh, challenges. Indeed. Well, costs are definitely an important aspect uh, for the organization industry. So we look into the investment costs of the low carbon technologies and the operation and maintenance costs, but there are also high, there is high uncertainty on the future costs of some technologies, in particular for those with a lower TRL. And also there is high uncertainty about the future CO2 prices, which has an effect on investor confidence and the demand by companies to switch to these clean technology options. Um, but besides costs, the technical aspects are also important. Um, so we talked about this. Uh, this involves the existing infrastructure and site-specific technologies. Or um, let's say we switch to full electrification. So how should we deal with the intermittency of renewable sources and the need for flexibility for energy security? Next to this, um, Another crucial aspect is the public acceptance of technologies. So we see it with the social resistance to the use of biomass for energy applications due to its environmental impact or public concerns about storing the carbon capture underground. Even with wind and solar energy, there is a risk of social resistance and this aspect cannot be overlooked. But overall, the economics of the organization are often a focal point in discussion However, the social acceptance of different options is um, often more of a success factor, I would say. 
And that's why it is important the data we gather in meeting is recognized by, by all stakeholders and that the knowledge on the carbonization options is uh, publicly available. How are the industrials using the data? So you've gone through this kind of process over the last few years of building up you know, substantial amounts of both data and also these reports that are obviously more contextual for, for people to review. How are you seeing industrials make use of that? It depends. I mean, we, we are still developing, eh? so we, we are not complete. We haven't completed it yet. What you see is that consultancies uh, use the data a lot, well, and they do it often for industrials. Eh? So in, in that sense, they are working working for that. We also hear from industrials that they find it useful to have um, their decarbonization options listed together, and for them to share eh? because it's public. Because you see with industrials that uh, they uh, had sharing data amongst uh, one another uh, can be challenging eh, because of competition uh, regulations. And um, to have their case or their, their perspectives uh, uh, written down uh, it can be very helpful in that sense. So, so that, that's what we hear. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we also learn that researchers from all over the world uh, use our, our reports and data for various purposes, uh, either policy research or more the technical, uh, technical research. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's funny. Maybe we should, more, maybe we should track more who, who are you using our data because mm. it's, a, it's a very diverse and, and, and large group of, uh, of people. Mm. And so how, how is this going to unfold? You mentioned that uh, it's not complete yet. I mean, I would imagine a project like this is never complete, right? There'll always be additional data points or additional sites or something that you want to add in. But what's next for Midden Project and uh, yeah, and, and 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 the data set as a whole? What what do you expect to see unfold? So currently, we're focusing on improving the quality uh, and also improving the consistency among the data, which includes uh, updating the data, uh, closing data gaps. Uh, and also adding more information. Eh? We, there are still several sectors that we haven't included yet, so we are we are also working on. And uh, so, for instance, we've just started a project on uh, on the waste processing or waste incineration. And we also uh, want to improve the user friendliness of the database and engage, of course, with users. Uh, and next to that, it's also important that uh, Midden is also a network. Eh? That's the what what the N stands for. Uh, so, so we maintain in contact with, with our network, so representatives from industry uh, and from government, and we, uh, we meet them on a regular basis in order uh, to, uh, to know uh, what their needs are and uh, where we can improve. So this, this is something that will, uh, will be maintained in that, in that sense. On the, um, you mentioned the issue of consistency in the data. To, to what extent is that linked to something we also hear a lot about, which is just simply how companies choose to report what they choose? You know, is, is, it a, is it more about standardizing the expectations of what people are reporting, or is that consistency issue related to something else? Yeah, consistency is mainly because, uh, well, as, as Silvana mentioned, we are now at about 40 uh, sectors that we have covered. Uh, and often you see the same decarbonization options uh, popping in, eh? like electric boilers or uh, carbon capture and, and storage, for instance. But it's very important that we use the same properties in terms of energy use, but also in terms of costs for different sites, as long as they are comparable, of course, because often they are not comparable, and then you should use, uh, not necessarily use the same data. 
Uh, but sometimes uh, you see that the, the cases are comparable, but use slightly different data and then we need to improve on that. But you can imagine that we're now covering more than 300 companies. Uh, so it's it's a big load of work <laughs> to make sure that everything is consistent. And that's that's a continuous effort. And Silvana, do you want to add to that? TNO has a different lens, right? So how do, what do you see as the kind of future for the Midden project and, and what next for you and your part of the team? Well, um, well, as Dick mentioned, uh, we work together on the maintenance of the database and the network. And that's, uh, I, we think that is uh, something that should continue for the next years and uh, working together, PBL and TNO. Uh, but also maybe I'd like to share as well next steps for me and also on the use of the data. Um, at the moment, uh, we're also carrying out analysis using the data as looking into the economic ability of a particular sector or company to implement the decarbonization options. Um, or as well, we are incorporating median data and cost optimization models at TNO to develop scenarios for decarbonization up to 2050 for certain industry sector. So these are examples of ways that we are using the data. We move one step further and we're doing more uh, analysis uh, with the data we have already gathered. Um, but I think we're also interested on hearing how the median users are using our data and how we can further support them as well. So, um, yeah, to the audience as well, please give us your feedback at the median site and where you can find all the reports and databases. And again, I'll make sure I add that link uh, into the show notes. Maybe it's important to mention that we do everything in English. Yeah? So uh, <laughs> although we limit our scope to, uh, to the Dutch industry, we have chosen from the beginning to publish all our information in English, which is also practically because many of our, uh, our master students, also many of our researchers uh, are internationals. And also, well, we see that it's used to, it's, it's being, re being read from all over the world. So maybe for, for the audience, uh, it's a relevant, uh, relevant fact. Clearly, there's so much that can be mined from this, from this publicly available information that you're sharing that you could be in any number of countries and there are many, many kind of lessons that can be taken from this. So I think it's uh, really fascinating and bluntly quite a generous project to be sharing so publicly. So we'll definitely ensure that we put that link in the show notes. And uh, Dick, thank you so much for joining us today. Silvana as well. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, fascinating project. So I'm sure there'll be an update at some point, but many thanks for joining today. Thank you very much, uh, Alex, for uh, giving us the opportunity to, uh, to comment on, uh, on our project. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. <laughs>